shooter ready. Stand by. Hey, what's up, guys, and welcome back to the podcast. Uh, before we get this episode kicked off, you know, shameless plug, I want to say that uh, we do have our dry fire card deck available on our website. Now, this is a uh, regular playing cards that each card has a specific dry fire session associated to it. So instead of having to think up your own session, hey, grab a couple cards, knock them out, and I guarantee that you're going to see results on the range when you go live fire. Additionally, we released the Blue Green Alliance Trauma Kit. Uh, we only have a few of those left. But the whole goal with that was affordability and effectiveness. No fluff, no unneeded things, just what you need to keep yourself or somebody alive until EMTs can arrive. So, uh, yeah, this is going to be a quick session, but we think you guys will like it. Thanks. Hey, what's up, guys, and welcome to episode four of the podcast. Uh, tonight, it's just me and Gabe. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about what we brought up on Instagram a couple days ago with the do you control the learning or do you control the scenario or maybe both uh so with that being said gabe why don't you lead us into this thanks josh so we'll keep this pretty down and dirty so this won't be your 30 minute or your hour long podcast this could be 20 minutes of hopefully what we have deemed as value information as a facilitator of knowledge for things that you can consider so on the instagram we put the program instructor and student because when you are developing a curriculum, these are your three variables that you need to consider at all times. So the program or the curriculum itself is the vehicle for learning the schedule to maintain that the student is going to follow. The instructor needs to make sure that he is providing the information step by step. A good example of a super rigid curriculum with a very, very high success rate is called the KIPP Academy. The KIPP Academy was established in the early 2000s down in Houston, Texas, I'm pretty sure. And that school literally goes from how they hold their books to how they address the teachers to how to study to prepare their students to go to college. Every single thing is given to the students and then expected of the student so that they're successful down the road and they are some of the most prestigious k-12 through schools now in the united states <clears throat> the instructor in my opinion from what i've seen so far both in the military and out of the military with multiple courses is the catalyst of these three because if the student, if the instructors aren't on the same page, if you have more than one instructor obviously teaching, they causes mass confusion for your students. Then you have to go back, you have to re-explain things, and you're, you're muddying the water and you're muddying the learning process for the students. For your student, your student has the most to lose and the most to learn. If the, if the program is good and the instructor is bad, the student will learn some. If the instructors are really good and the program or the curriculum is really bad, then the student is still going to learn some in a different capacity. Obviously, we're looking for that sweet spot of where the program or curriculum is good, the instructor is good, and so the student learns the maximum amount of information as efficiently as possible because obviously you don't have all the time in the world to teach everything. It's whatever X period of time is for that period of instruction. So... What exactly do I do then in order to, as I'm developing this curriculum, what am I doing to ensure that I am uh, controlling the learning and the scenario? So I think the, the biggest thing in understanding is that if you have a good program, for example, I give a, 
a student or I give you a pallet of ammo out on the range and I say, hey, I want you to shoot the, the Bill Wilson 5x5 or shoot El Perez in a certain period of time and I leave for two days, you're going to inherently get better. You're going to figure out a bunch of things on yourself, hopefully, but there's no one there to critique you to help speed that evolution along. So as an instructor, I can step out of the picture and the program and yourself are going to get better. Obviously, that's not what you want. So developing it is how do my instructors speed the efficiency of learning for the student with the current program, the curriculum, the knowledge, whatever the course is that's necessary. So how do I do that? How do I break it down? It's a great question. So for a sports team, for a symphony, for a military platoon or company executing a five-phase operation, all of these are multiple players doing multiple things simultaneously. So to control the learning of multiple people at the same time is much more difficult than what we do with Blue Green Alliance at the one-to-one. If I'm saying, hey, I want you to do phases one to three, or for a sports team, you're going to play for 15 minutes, or the symphony is going to play the first three sheets. At the end of that, I have to go back and say, okay, these are all my debrief points for whatever this is. However, I have no way of controlling what they actually messed up and making them learn on page one what they did wrong in phase one or what they did wrong on the wrong play. The student, the same thing we talked about, taking all the ammo out to the range, is going to learn things while he was playing his instrument, playing the sport, or going through the operations. And hopefully, as the instructor, you're like, okay, I hope what I'm debriefing on is what they learned, but you have no way to control that. A control measure for the learning now is understanding, hey, I'm going to break this down so they're doing a step, so a phase, the first page, the first play, and if they're not doing it right, I'm going to stop them there. I'm not going to let them go through the entire thing and tell them, hey, you did this wrong, expect you to do it again. It's a redundant and inefficient way of time for the program to make the student learn. Well, I think, too, it when you have to debrief an entire evolution, you're also clocking up the bandwidth of the student to receive that information to receive that critique because they're like oh man i screwed up 300 things like oh i'm trying to take in those critiques and then apply them to the next run and that's completely bogging up my bandwidth for my consolidation of those critiques so essentially and what i understand is you're breaking it down even further in football like hey we're just gonna run you know first and long over and over again. Then we're going to run second and short, and then we're going to run our two-minute drill and our one-minute drill. And the coaches are able to critique individual efforts in that in order to make a combined game. Yep. I think anyone that's done a, a team exercise or more than you know three or four people during something has sat through a debrief or an after action, and then you get zero critique points. If you just listen to someone else the entire time, you're like, okay, well, this is cool. What's for dinner? Yeah, I think uh, – you do enough raids, and I've sat in enough raids, debriefs, where I think it's just the leadership that's usually getting torn up, and I'm sitting there like, well, I guess I guess I did okay. I mean, I took down my five rooms, and then I heard my platoon sergeant get shit on for an hour, so I guess I, guess I crushed it. And essentially what happens there is I become the gray man. No longer is anybody helping me get better or critiquing because they didn't see anything that I did right or majorly wrong. Perfect example. So going back to breaking this down is 
if they're messing up steps one and two, step three is probably going to be messed up as well. And everyone watching it is like, well, they're doing really bad here. Let me write down these notes and I can tell them afterwards. And it's asinine to say, we're going to wait two hours from now to talk about what you did wrong right now. There's no reason in a training environment to not stop it, correct it, and allow them to continue because the consolidation process now has been smoothed out. Because if you're given a bad example and said, hey, you have to go back and do it again, now you're having to rewire what you're learning or try to refigure it out with a group of people. So it's not just you anymore. And a great example for this podcast I was listening to for a couple of neuroscientists talking about the student's brain is like a hill with fresh snow on it. And as I do a task, it's sliding down on a sled and they're making tracks. Then as that sled goes down again and again, and again, it's probably going to follow the same grooves more often than not. So I need to maximize those grooves being developed as a facilitator of a curriculum and an instructor and not say okay on the back end of this i'm going to give all of my debrief points and try to make them fix it when they do it again yeah i like that i like the ski analogy too because it's like a drop-in right if you can just practice a drop-in 15 times you don't have to worry about the drop anymore you got it i drop in on my spot i'm coming in and then i can start executing the entire run and i'm focusing on specific parts of that run over and over again i think that makes complete complete sense instead of what i'm very used to is do the whole run get your critiques get your ass back up there do it again until we hammer it out and i think you start wasting a lot of time and effort doing it that way yep i think the it it depends on the number of people the the task of being accomplished and the number of instructors you have to facilitate this as well is you're trying to establish a heuristic environment. You want them to learn on their own as much as possible because they're going to retain it faster. So whatever it is, so the symphony or the team sport or the five-phase raid is how can I set this up to where they're going to learn maximum information on their own? Well, how does that look? So like me personally – I feel like reps, right? Reps. You get repetition. You fuck it up. You learn from your fuck up, and then you get to go back at it. Excuse my language. Um, you get to you get to reattack. I personally like failure because my brain knows that it failed. It knows that it messed up. It gets fired, and then it's ready to rock and roll, ready to receive information, and get back at it. Awesome. And, and that does that for you. Failure is your stimulus for you to say, hey, I am engaged. I am focused. I'm going to learn. And I'm glad you brought up reps. Yes, reps are essential for the consolidation of skills and for tasks to apply down the road. However, does it not make more sense to do positive reps every time versus half-ass reps that you have to go back and refine and refine and refine? I can teach you the right way, ensure you're doing it the right way, and let you rep the right way. And that goes back to my sled analogy. I don't have to go back and have you clean things up. You're going to do it the right way the first time, which increases the efficiency down the road for further down the mountain, phases three, um, the sixth and seventh page of the symphony. Whatever it is, I need to clean it up on the front end because on the back end, it's not going to be the product that anyone wants. All right. Well, as a student, um, when I'm looking at courses to potentially take or looking for something to participate in, because obviously 
you know, even as instructors ourselves, we're constantly looking for courses or whatever to get to, um, to make ourselves better. What, what should we be looking for? What should a student hone in on that says, hey, this is worth my time and money, or maybe it's not? I think the first thing is going to be the course description, obviously. Is it what you are currently trying to get better at? Or is it just, hey, you're trying to attend a course because you just want to shoot more? And then after that, I would specifically see the size of the class and the number of instructors. If it's a 1 to 10, personally, myself, I would be hesitant to attend that course if I'm paying you know, $250, $300, $400 a day because I know that that time is limited with the individual that I'm paying to give me instruction. I'm going to look for a program like our own that advertises a one-to-one for every round fired we are paying attention to you or probably a maximum of like five to one and i understand that from the industry side hey that's not an efficient way to make money so it's going to be a larger class however again that's my personal opinion and then after that is if they have the curriculum on there and you can look at it and you can ask other people and say hey when you attended this course was the program and the instructor there and firing all cylinders to make you better by the end of that two days into that three days well let me ask you this let's say i am in a three-day course and after the first day i realized like hey this is one of those courses where i paid to see the guy talk he's a world-class shooter um but he's really not pertaining to me he's not honing into me um, what can I do to maximize my opportunity in that course where I'm not getting nothing out of it? I think this goes back to the scenario we talked about with the student on the range with a pallet of ammo is you're going to be there, you're going to shoot, and you're going to take away what you can from it, uh, whether it's your own ammo or it's their ammo and they're providing it for you, is you're going to get better just because you're shooting, and they're giving you those drills, and, and that's it. At that point, if you recognize, hey, I am at a step above what they're providing, then, hey, no harm, no foul. You can try to focus on things individually if you're that in tune and just enjoy it. I mean, you're out there, you're shooting guns, you're with someone with a phenomenal amount of experience and something will come out of that for you to take away and you will be better for it. Now, to to recap all of this, because I understand this is a slightly different type of podcast and it's a lot shorter, is as a facilitator or even as someone that's looking at how to be more efficient and learning and doing things is don't get to the end of the cycle, whatever it is, and say, okay, hey, I did this, 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 and this wrong. So if let's break it down to my draw. If I understand my draw when I go and break my retention with my dominant hand and my grip isn't good, I can finish my draw and fix the grip with the gun presented or i can stop right there i can re-establish a good grip and then finish my draw because now i know that was one good repetition so take the draw now expand that into a team level a company level a symphony size event and think about it from that perspective and i think that's a good way of looking at it break it down small manageable pieces critique as necessary so that way you're maximizing your time and go from there uh we really appreciate you guys tuning in um yeah we really look forward to putting more of these out for you guys and obviously during this time we're hoping all of you are staying safe uh you know 
be prepared to protect yourself at any time because the world's dangerous and uh, not everybody has good intentions. So uh, stay safe and thanks for joining us, guys.